0: We are not defined by the shape of our eyes or the color of our skin. We are defined by who we are, what we believe in, what we dream about, and what we will achieve in the future. We promote equity, justice, and opportunity for Asian-Canadian legal professionals. We are the Federation of Asian-Canadian Lawyers. Hi, Miranda. Hi, Toulin. It is great to finally have you in this virtual studio. I get to see you. For those of you listening, I actually do get to see Miranda. We used to be on the same board together for, gosh, several years and seeing each other a lot. And I haven't seen you pretty much since. You've been so busy. That's right. Well, I'm,
1: everyone's busy, but it doesn't mean that I don't miss you. So it is really nice to see
0: you as well. It's great to see you. And and great and great to have you on our podcast here at the FACL podcast. Um, Mirando, I'm I, I want to lead this conversation with a just a brief anecdote, and it's something that uh, listeners of this podcast will will have heard me put to the other two uh, podcast guests on this series. I was uh, just doing some some searching around on the web. and as just part of my interest in doing some research, I went to kind of the the major firms, and I'm not going to call them out on this podcast, but the major firms, both uh, national, global, and regional, uh, filtered for uh, partner level, filtered for um, litigation, filtered for the Vancouver office. As as people, most of the listeners of this podcast will know, you know, British Columbia, Vancouver is just a. a there's a significant, significant group of of uh, Asian population, both uh, expats and natural born here in in Vancouver and in British Columbia generally, and. And I also sorry, I did this for boutiques as well, and the the reason why I picked you and and Kevin Liu over at Nathan shachter Thompson as I wanted to be on my guests is you guys are like the only ones that show up, so you know why when, when I look at stats can and I add up kind of the obviously Asian and South Asian population like we're looking at between twenty five to thirty five to sometimes forty percent of the population depending on where you are in the in the lower mainland and out of like hundreds of people that would fit the criteria that I just put, like there's two, what's going on? Is Am I seeing something or what's your sense?
1: I think that's a a fair, but sad statement. I mean, there are actually lots of terrific, talented Asian, South Asian, and let's just say litigators right now, because you're focused on litigators out there. They just may not be, you know, Searchable by Google, or, you know, their practices are such that they're just not online. Um, we're looking in different places. I, I don't know. But I have to believe they're out there. But if your point is, and I'll say it, because I'm at a big firm, I'm at a big national firm uh, with a significant presence in Vancouver. If you're saying to me without saying so, what's yeah. up? How come there are not more people like you practicing litigation, I think that's a fair question too, and it's not one that is talked about very often. But I will also say, at at my firm, without sounding like a commercial for McCarthy Tetro, it's one that we've talked about head on and and looked for ways to address. So it's not like it's for a want of trying, um, but you know, it has the, those results have yet to bear fruit. Is I I don't know what it is. It starts with, I think, the pipeline. Um, And the pipeline being who is going to law school. And then when you're in law school, who's interested in being a litigator? And when you are thinking about becoming a litigator, who else do you see is a litigator? And who do you see yourself being mentored by and trained by and working with? Who do you see on the bench? um who do you see arbitrating cases or mediating cases and when all of those signs are um not reflective of who you see yourself as i i suspect that is somehow related to why the numbers are where they are i mean that expression we hear lots about these days you have to see to be i honestly for myself i don't know if i ever really subscribe to that, not because I was looking for a specific role model, um, but because I don't really think there were that many people. So I just blindly and naively um, crashed my way through whatever to do whatever it was I wanted without thinking very much about whether or not the path was easy or hard or had been forged or not. But I think, you know, if we're talking about cultivating a pipeline, there has to be um, a pipeline that people feel ready to get into, that they're welcomed to it, and that they'll be supported and succeed at it. And so, long way to answer your question, Chilwyn, one of the things that we're doing at the firm then is being very deliberate about how we hire, who we hire, and then when they come through the door, how do we support them uniquely? Because everyone is their own person, whatever that may be so that they actually survive and thrive in, in our environment. And hopefully that means one day there'll be more faces um, that look different or like me or Kevin um, on these websites.
0: Well, so let me, let me, let me press a bit. This is a podcast after all. So I'm going to, I'm going to push it a little bit. Yeah. So if I, you know, just to, as a point of comparison, so I will flip the filter and say solicitors. And there, like in whether you call them solicitors or business lawyers, or I mean different firms have different classifications, but you can usually just say not litigation, and you'll usually pull up a, a broader spectrum of the firm. And um even on a per capita, I mean, usually the barrister slash litigation ranks tends to be a bit smaller than um than the solicitor ranks at, at most of the shops that I'm aware of. And um, but even on a per capita basis, uh you see a, a much greater diversity of visible minorities, let, you know, let alone you know Asian faces. Uh, and I, am, I do mean faces. I'm not just going by by the names, but the faces um, in in the business law ranks. And yet, in litigation, it's it's a marked difference. Do you have a sense of why that is?
1: <laughs> well. Um... Personally, I remember explaining to my grandma, who's now since passed away, that I was a lawyer and that I was a court-going lawyer, and uh, she said to me, oh, yeah, why wouldn't you be a corporate lawyer? So, <laughs> so I don't know if that's somehow there's some, some bias about um, being a corporate lawyer versus being a courtroom lawyer, and my, my mother, bless her, tried to save me by saying, well, she does corporate litigation, but you know, that was a lost cause in, but in all seriousness, you know, why are there maybe more diverse spaces on the corporate side than the litigation side? I think again, some of it might be that um, you have to see to be, so one begets the other. I think some of it is a, a stereotypical thing, both in terms of how we as Asians perceive ourselves, as well as how others perceive Asians, I'm acutely aware as a litigator, as a female Asian litigator, that I don't look like what people traditionally think is a litigator. And honestly, that for many is probably enough of a barrier to, you know, you have to really want it to overcome that kind of barrier. Um, Whereas, you know, maybe some of those things that make it difficult, or might be barriers to you, those fences are a little lower when it comes to being a corporate solicitor. Because let's talk about stereotypes, whether they're fair or unfair. Great solicitors are detail-oriented. They are good at putting deals together. They're wonderful drafters. They're all these things. They're also, they can, I've described what I would say traditionally are introverted characteristics. That's not to say solicitors are introverted um, and litigators are extroverted because I don't think that's true either. But I suspect some of those elements may appeal more um, to some of our Asian colleagues, whether because culturally, that's how we've been um, acclimatized by our grandmas and others, or whether um, the social context, others have sort of presented that, to us as Asians in making that assumption. You know, I read a great study a number of years ago that in the States, um, Asian litigators are seen as very credible, which gave me some hope as a litigator, but they they were seen as credible because of this stereotype that Asians are careful and hardworking, good at math, (laughs) um, organized, and that that would be uh, credible to a jury. This was a jury trial study. Who, what kind of archetypes would be credible to an, a, a jury? And so, you know, the classic barrister, the senior white male with lots of gravitas, of course, was at the top of the list. But the surprising finding and sort of the headline was, you know, uh, the, the Asian barrister was considered very credible by juries as well so it, really interesting is any of this true I I have no idea and in some ways you know stereotypes are the things that we should rail against but in other respects it's just interesting food for thought as to why things end up the way they do and is it because we've chosen it that way or is it because you know our social we've been socially acclimatized or the systemic ways of approaching things have just encouraged one people to choose one path over another.
0: Lots to unpack there. Um, (laughs) just, and I I don't necessarily want to use this as my jumping off point, but just as a reflection, as you were talking, I, I wonder whether what the percentage is of, of, of members of the judiciary in the United States, whether that may be state or federal court, uh, who are Asian that may have come from those ranks themselves. Like, again, I don't, I honestly do not know the answer to that. And, and I'm not sure. Yeah. And of course there's still, there's so much to unpack there about who, uh, who are, you know, where the pool is drawn from to, for members of the judiciary. It's, it's quite, I don't, I, I'm, I'm advised, my understanding is quite different in Canada and the United States, but that would be an interesting study as well. Um, but what I, what I want to try to, Push a little. There's, when you started talking about like different barriers and how different people may perceive have like different challenges as they go through, and so I, I do want to highlight for our listeners that uh, if you, if they, if you can't tell from the voice, you, you identify as female. You're a mother, uh, a wife, uh, a female lawyer, and um, and and of course we've seen lots of studies and calls to action from all across different segments of our profession, about increasing the representation of women in uh, not just the profession, but especially judiciary, the senior ranks, the profession, partnerships, etc. Um, as 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 a female Asian litigator, do you think that there are any particular um, privileges that are not afforded to you or assumptions that are made about you or anything that 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 intersects in that kind of academic sense with your Asianness, so to speak.
1: My Asianness—that sounds like a magic potion or
0: something. <laughs> Pop <a> pill, <laughs> just a pill. <laughs> twa-da, twa-da. You can you can eat wonton That's like right. the rest of us.
1: You can eat wonton, but but not not ones with pork for me. I have an allergy. Okay. Um, but um, you know. I've been asked that question before and in in various ways, you've asked it very eloquently. Um, And I always struggle because in some ways I would like to think being Asian and being female has not really had an impact on my career. But, you know, honest to say that just isn't, isn't necessarily true um, because it's unavoidable that, you know, I look Asian, I present Asian, I am female. When I started my career, uh, not only was I Asian, am I Asian and female, but I've looked like I was twelve. I mean, that's the Asian discount that, that my mom keep kept would tell me about. And I'm really hoping that at eighty that discount.
0: Oh, no, I'm off. with you. I'm with you. <laughs> although I will say the problem with the Asian discount, and I, I experience that too all the time is we turn eighty-five and then it's like within six months we're gonna turn Did yeah we're gonna turn oh into no. that's, that's I'm my ready for that but uh, but that that's long down the road. Long down the
1: road. Hey sorry so for interrupting I, you Miranda. I, I know I, I see we're we're now just um we're we're managing everyone's expectations on the Asian discount. So I think that's a good public service as well. Um but but what I wanted to say is that yeah has it has being Asian affected me and has it affected my career in a detrimental way I don't know about detrimental has it affected me in a different way oh no doubt I mean you know when you when you are Asian and female and you look like 12 I am not as I've said before what you expect um, when you walk into the boardroom the client who hasn't met you yet is Probably thinking, even if they're too polite to say, okay, that's not what I was thinking. When you walk into a courtroom, the judge, in fairness, might be thinking that's not who I was expecting. Um, and even some of your own colleagues might be thinking that is not who was I, uh, who I was expecting. Um, I've, I've also generally been the youngest person in any room so again probably not who you were expecting for the most part i haven't really thought about why i stick out but i have thought about what makes me different and why that could be advantageous um and so i've i've spent a lot of time in my career trying to just embrace the difference um well, let's you go know, with and, that
0: let's go with that Advanti- so the advantage of being miranda Lamb. This is your your sales pitch. This is your your
1: chance to pitch. It's not about being Miranda Lamb, per se, because I'm not even sure there's an advantage to being Miranda (laughs) Lamb, but I will say there's an advantage to embracing um, your own difference because the reality is you can't be like the other guys. You don't look like them. You don't sound like them. You don't talk like, you don't act like them. And I think I made peace early on that that's Okay. And it's going to be okay that I don't look, sound, talk, act like any of those. And they were generally guys. So I'm going to say guys. Um, You know, one of the very first matters that I participated in involved an investigation into some sensitive topics and involved speaking to some people who, as it turned out, witnesses, uh, were younger. And uh, the partner that I was working with at the time was uh, very good about getting me involved and and recognized quickly that actually, maybe the young person on this file might be the right person to go talk to those people. And I'd like to think I was. so I, I I to this day, I'm grateful that he thought about it and that I thought about it, and it gave me a chance to do something on that matter that maybe I wouldn't otherwise have done sort of as a new baby lawyer. So that's what I mean by embrace your difference. Um, I I was the right person at that point in time because I was the younger youngest person on the team, and it was the right kind of movie where maybe talking to someone like me would be a little easier. Um, I remember being at a trial advocacy course, one of those excellent summer boot camps oh, yeah. that CL, CLEBC runs, and uh, they get such rock star faculty and my breakout group was run by a criminal defense lawyer and it was in cross examination. And he said, you know, my technique is to, you know, stride straight up to the box, look the witness right in the eye and use my size and intimidate them into telling me what I need. And then he looked at me and he said, and you're going to have problems with that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because you can't see a uh, podcast world, but in addition to being Asian and female, I'm also really short. So. <laughs> um, and I know that he meant that in a funny, almost endearing way, because he had some other wonderful tips and techniques um, and was a great coach uh, at that session. But I took away from that, that maybe I'm not cut out for this. Ooh. Like maybe if that's what you need to do, like, I don't have size, and I don't have intimidation. I don't have any of those things. What am I going to do?
0: Um, and aside from being one of the smartest people in the world, Miranda, just <laughs> just to let you know. Um, but so so sorry, I interrupted. So what? So what did you take from that?
1: Well, I took from that, like, Oh, my goodness, should I be doing this? And, and, you know, because there's so many other things about law that are super duper fun. But you know, again, embrace your difference. That also kind of was an accelerant for me, just like, you know, maybe being young and female in this little investigation is an accelerant. That comment was a bit of an accelerant because I thought, you know what, like, I can do this. I can do this just as well as you. Okay. I may not have a QC or whatever it was at the time that made him <laughs> renowned, but, but I, I can do this. Um, and so I, I learned to work on my own style. Uh, And for me, um, it won't come as a surprise. Intimidation isn't necessarily a tool in my toolkit. Um, I've been told that I can be intimidating nonetheless, and that wasn't just by my husband. But (laughs) I look for things that are authentic to me in terms of you know, how to be a litigator. And yes, I I don't, I can't use size that isn't in my toolbox. And, and I don't have a a Perry Mason style, or, you know, and I'm certainly not going to pound the podium. You you won't find me in courtroom 60, (laughs) banging the podium or speaking loudly. But you know what, I that's just the style that works for me. I think podium banging sometimes can be quite effective, but it's probably just not effective coming from me. So it's about figuring out, again, your difference and
0: exploiting it. Let me, uh, I just want to be respectful of the time and our, and our listeners. Um, it's been just uh, having such a, uh, a wonderful time hearing your stories, Miranda. Um, but I, you know, as we, as we start to close out, I do want to pivot to this idea. I think one of the advantages of working at a larger firm or larger legal institution is, is scale is, is the ability to have some scale, whether not only internal scale, uh, given the number of lawyers and paralegal professionals that you work with employ and just kind of have within your community. In addition to kind of uh, McCarthy Tetro's other ventures, where you're working with kind of outside professionals. um, But, also, given its heft and reputation in the marketplace, do you think that larger institutions such as yours can play um, like a a, a a certain kind of inspirational or actual role in increasing diversity that perhaps other players in the industry um, may find it more difficult to do? Yes.
1: And I think we have to. I, I mean, that's that is actually for me personally, one of the great joys of working, of being a partner at, at McCarthy's. I mean, again, I don't wanna sound like a commercial, but I I think that it is incumbent on us, given the privilege that we enjoy as a firm in the marketplace, the, the great privilege we have of working with many other large institutions who are also committed to diversity, equity and inclusion to lead by example and that is for us anyway well you know there there are three pillars to our strategic plan diversity and inclusion is one of them one of the three. so it's not something that's done off the side of someone's desk it isn't something that okay you know what it's it's um international women's day so we better all don the right color ribbon or whatever it's it's a real priority that um, our CEO has decided is going to put our place on the map and not just because it makes sense to do it from a business perspective, but because it's the only way that we're going to generate change and really make a difference, not just within the profession, but in the community. So, I mean, you've, you've hit on something that's near and dear to me because in that strategy that we're, that I've just described called inclusion. Now we have for action groups, so and the action groups are gender equality, uh, race, ability, and LGBTQ2S. And so I, I totally drink the Kool Aid because I am the national chair of the gender equality action group. But what to me is most interesting about all of these action groups and the commitment to diversity and inclusion is that we've moved past the like this is important and signaling it's important and having the events and the speakers and and all of those things, which are still very, very important. And now we're drilling down into what I would say are the less glamorous things, like how do you affect systemic change? And so, you know, that's not easy to convey. That's not easy to put on a brochure. It's certainly not a party, but it's stuff like the pipeline again, you know, how do you hire, how do you support? How do you identify what characteristics are actually make someone a successful lawyer here and then hire for that and support that? How do you ensure work allocation is fair in a big environment like ours? You know How do you get women and uh, other other members of other equity seeking groups through the partnership? Because you certainly can't just say, "Oh well, we're a meritocracy, so you know, may the best person win because we know. The race is rigged if you think that meritocracy is is the path forward. So it's all of unpacking all of these systemic things in a practical way to hopefully change our numbers, change the complexion of the firm a little bit, and also hopefully inspire other people to do the same. We do have someone at the firm. Uh, we have a chief inclusion officer that we hired about 18. Months ago, maybe two years ago now. Um, And she, this is what I mean by it's a commitment for us. She sits at the leadership level. So she's at all partnership meetings. She's part of all the major discussions on the business side as well as the people side. Um, And she leads a lot of this work. That's her full time job supported by a small staff of people. Um, And hopefully, I'm already seeing change. I'm already seeing just the tone and tenor of conversation change. And so hopefully that means real change as we move forward.
0: Well let let me follow up. Uh, let me let me close out the substantive piece with um, what what I've been calling the the three by one. Um, you you may, may not know. So this is a boxing analogy because <laughs> I'm a I'm a I'm an amateur um, I'm not sure if you knew this Miranda but I actually am a card carrying boxing BC amateur fighter. Um, and in the mat we do master's category because well, I'm over 40.
1: speaking of intimidation on cross examination, you go. So
0: so we we fight three by three minute three one minute rounds. So so I have a segment for these podcasts called the three by one. So th- three three okay. three uh three answers, one minute each. Uh you only get one minute to to each one. Okay. One minute. Uh name. Name the, the top three things. Let's do it three by three. The the top three things that you want to do in 2021 as the head of, and I'm not asking you to divulge confidential information, but to the extent that you can reveal what is on your top three list at, at for diversion, or for diversity inclusion at McCarthy Tetro, one minute.
1: Uh, unconscious bias training for everyone and not just the leaders of the firm. I think we're well on our way to doing that. Um, The second is an established program around uh, relationship partners. Those are the partners that uh, have carriage of particular relationships within the firm, firm clients, um, and having a good succession planning program around that that includes women and racialized, other racialized lawyers. And the third relates to the recruitment of students and Making sure we're supporting uh, a diverse recruiting strategy.
0: Fifteen seconds to go. Fat, you're right, right on track. Okay, uh, thank you for that. Second, second question. Top three things that you would advise our our. We tend to skew a bit younger on the listener uh, role uh, demographic. So, top three things that young Asian lawyers can do who want to be litigators. Uh, top three uh, career tips.
1: Well, that's a good one. Um, number one, watch court, any kind of court. Just go to court and you'll realize there's a lot of faking it until you make it. And you can do that too. So that's how you get your confidence is, is just get in there and watch, watch how the sausage actually gets made. So that would be number one. Uh, number two, trust your instinct. You have a great one. For whatever reason people don't seem to follow it you should um number three this isn't really maybe litigation specific chillin so i'm cheating but i would like to say to everyone live by your own definition of success and not others
0: so there you go we're we're still under a minute fantastic thank you for that okay last last round of the three by one ding ding you're doing great um, the, 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 the last one is, um, what are the top three things that you think, uh, not just faculty but kind of any kind of, um, affinity, you know, a, the, uh, affinity groups, associations for Asian professionals, what can we do to help foster and, and support, um, uh, Asians in the profession?
1: The sharing of stories, uh, is great. Cause I think there's a lot of, time when you think you're on your own and you are alone in struggling with something and then you actually realize that others have faced off with the same issue. Uh, and so I, I think faculty already does a marvelous job of that. And I think continuing to create an environment where people can share stories is, is important because there's no other place to do it. And pretty amazing when you walk into a faculty event and you see a whole bunch of people that actually look like you, because let's face it, in most other environments, you're the only one that looks like you. So um, yeah. there's just power in that alone. Uh, number two, what faculty could do, the mentorship. Um, and the the third thing to me is now the sponsorship, because um, there's a lot of good mentoring going on. but now it's time for... Um, people to elevate, advocate, and promote others to others. I think there's enough of a group and enough momentum for that to happen.
0: Um, And this is, and I, this is a self-motivated comment, and it it had nothing to do with me coming to you, Miranda. It really was merit, you know, in terms of how I described approaching you, not just that you're friends, but how I, how I, how I asked you to be on this podcast. But I do want to say uh, mccarthy tetro is a huge supporter of faculty like every time there's a faculty event mccarthy is like it's either like the gold level or the silver level sponsor <laughs> um oh. shame on mccarthy these guys should be gold level every single time but we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll keep working on you there but no but in all seriousness mccarthy's has always been a huge supporter of faculty i know um that's got to be consistent and as and part of that message and the uh, the plan that you've described for us in this podcast. So again, thank you very much to that, to the firm. Um, oh, it's our, it's
1: our pleasure. It is a real commitment for real.
0: Yeah. Um, so we're going to end off with the most important, impactful question of this entire podcast. So are you, <laughs> are you ready? You, it's be the yeah, <laughs> you, you better get, hold on to something. It's really important <laughs> and it's going to set your career for life. Um, uh, in terms of your answer. Um You can only pick one, and it's chicken filling, not pork, pan-fried, or steamed dumplings. And why?
1: Oh, (laughs) pan-fried. I like the crispy, crunchy texture combined with the soft, fluffy insides. Who doesn't?
0: Come on. All right, faculty listeners, you heard it from Miranda Lamb. She prefers crispy. Um, Miranda... (laughs) Miranda, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. Uh, it was just wonderful to hear your stories, your 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 hope and vision and plan for McCarthy's role in changing the legal landscape, in increasing diversity in the profession, and particularly for for Asian lawyers in the profession. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Miranda Lam at McCarthy Tetro, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Tolan. Anytime.
1: Thank you for tuning into the Faculty BC Podcast. Visit our website at FACOLBC.ca and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at FACOLBC. We hope you enjoyed our episode today and stay tuned for the next guest. If you have guest speaker suggestions, please email us
0: at membership at